On today's episode, follow the twists and turns of a young tragedy. I just put water in my mouth, so that was embarrassing. It's fine. So, it's me, Erin. I'm hosting today. I just had to get your thoughts because I didn't get to talk to you. I made Lucy watch The Burbs with Tom Hanks. It's like an old early 90s movie. So good. So, what were your thoughts? I didn't, I mean, I think you slept through half of it. I did sleep through. Which should not reflect on the film at all because it's great. It was hilarious. But I did through a large <laughs> chunk of it. Well, for anyone that hasn't seen it, but it's, it's Tom Hanks. I didn't know Tom Hanks was in that movie. So, did you sleep through all of it? Uh, no, I mean I okay. didn't know he was. I didn't previously before oh, okay. that know he was in a movie called The Burbs. It's so but good. It's hilarious. It's about the weirdness <clears throat> of the suburbs and this guy that thinks his neighbor might be a killer. So it's, but it's. Ugh. It's spooky, but it's more funny than anything. And but so, it is a little creepy. Yeah. It's just about all these neighbors in a cul-de-sac. And so it was, it's so funny. So if you haven't seen it, you should really. Yeah. Like these highly involved neighbors that like know everything about each other's yeah. lives. They're all up know, in I'm each other's cracking. business. And then, so there's this one weird house that's like always dark and they never see anybody. And then they they saw someone weird at night. Anyways. Yeah. They all freak out and they go too far. But. It's so good. I so, got the most. I got most. Most of it. Most of it. Fell asleep for a second. So check it out if you haven't seen it because yeah, it's a classic. We watch it every Halloween. It's one of my favorite shows. So you want to know what I watched the other night? (laughs) Let me just be clear with everyone. This is the third time I've said this, even though I'm recording it. What did you watch? (laughs) I'm sorry, I said her name wrong. On Hulu, they have um, like ABC's 2020 show, and they just came out with a new one about Joan (laughs) Benet. Stop. Just say John Bonet. John Bonet. Oh my gosh. John Bonet Ramsey. Anyways, it was so good. Stop laughing. I'm sorry. <sighs> Back to it. This is very serious, Aaron. Basically, though, the this investigator that had been investigating it the whole time, he passed away and he was pretty sure that it was not one of the parents, which everybody's like very mixed feelings about. They really think that the parents did it or whatever, but he was so like certain that it wasn't the parents. He had this list of people that he thought it could be. And so, but then he passed away before he got to like go like check everybody. And so now his daughter is like doing all she the took it over. yeah she took it over She's becoming pi barbie and her two daughters have a podcast about <gasps> it and it's called in the victim's shoes i believe it oh, i gotta write that down i believe that's what it's called i'm trying to remember but anyways but they basically go over all of the evidence and things that he thought and and whatnot so i want to start listening to that podcast too but you look crazy. I love that. So anyways, I watched that. So that was cool. Watch that while Tanner was gone. Not a good Not idea. Not a good idea. And then uh, <laughs> Night, have you heard about Night Stalker? Yeah, I'm, I'm in- halfway through it. So don't oh, say anything. Oh, you are? I've not watched it yet. 
Okay, then I, I was about say to say anything. I was going to start watching it. <laughs> Brooke, my mother, she was telling me that I need to start watching it. I was like, oh, I need to. But then yeah, I saw some people that were that like, oh, it's like night, super. Though. Yeah, they said, I've heard a lot of people are like, it's really, really freaky. But I want to watch it. So anyways. Yeah, yeah we're so, caught up. Watch Burbs or what is it called? I yeah, just, the Burbs. The Burbs. So that's <laughs> our viewing activity. As Sorry, I went on a tangent. Everyone calm down. It's before the case. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to jump into today's case. <laughs> that's Erin's that's, um, that's <laughs> cue for you're being freaking annoying. And so it's please not. stop. Yes, it is. I know when you're I'm annoyed. I'm just saying, let's jump in because they're all probably like, I don't care what your Netflix viewing activity you know what? They do care, okay? They do. They probably don't. They do. Okay, start. I will stop talking. I just want to let everyone know, quick disclaimer, before I jump into today's case, I just wanted to mention that the case we're covering actually involves a child. So just a quick disclaimer, I just wanted to let everyone know, many true crime podcasts actually choose not to focus on cases that involve children, but we've chosen to cover this case and we'll cover cases involving children on occasion purely because... We feel it's so important to spread awareness of some of the problems in our system surrounding children. So, that being said, we understand these types of cases can be difficult to listen to, and I wanted to make everyone aware at the very beginning so that if you don't feel like that's something you can do, we totally understand. But I just, I heard about this case a few years ago on a Vanished episode, and I instantly felt connected with this case. As I asked other people about it, it's not a case a lot of people are familiar with, and I definitely feel like this story needs told. When we determined we wanted to start a podcast, this was honestly the first case that came to mind. So it's one that's very important to me, and I hope that every person will really want to know what happened in this story and will work with me to push for change. So here we with go. that, we're jumping in. You'll also notice with today's case, it moves really quickly. There's a lot happening just within the first few days. So I'm going to tell this case a little bit different. I'm going to do it more in a timeline format just so that we're clear on how and when things are happening. I used a few different sources in today's case to piece this timeline together. But the main resources that were helpful for me were Arizona Central News and KTAR News. This case takes place in Glendale, Arizona. Jerice Hunter had four children living with her at this time. On the evening of October 11th, 2011, she ran to the store just to cash a check. She said she wasn't gone very long, but when she got back at approximately 5 p.m., when she walked up to her apartment, the front door was open. Mm. Not a good sign. No. Wait, so, were all her kid, her, and all her kids were home, right? When she left. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah her kids okay. were old enough. Her oldest was 13. And so she had left the rest of her care. Oh, yeah. The you wouldn't children. even mm -hmm. really worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. So she had left them in the care of the 13-year-old. But when she entered the apartment, the oldest three children, which like I said, the oldest was 13, second child was nine, third child was six, they were all inside. However, if you recall, I mentioned that she had four children living with her. Mm. And the youngest child was a five-year-old named Jessie. So her name was Jessie Shockley. And as they looked around, she was actually missing. And the older three had apparently not realized that she was missing. They didn't so, notice at all? Apparently not. Oh, my gosh. That's <laughs> terrifying. So Jerice immediately asked the other children where Jessie had gone. They weren't sure. So they begin frantically searching the apartment, which, again, remember that she had walked up. The front door was open. Jessie is nowhere to be found. So, Lucy, I want you to describe Jessie for us. 
Oh my gosh. She's freaking adorable. She's I can't so even. cute, huh? <laughs> she is so stinking cute. Her smile and her eyes, like, you would just gravitate to this little child. Like, I just feel like she would be the one that you would just want her to love you so much because you would. she just looks like she would make you feel so special. I would give her all the things. My husband's always like, man, I would too. if there's a she's cute kid, a, you can't tell him oh, no. If I would give her everything. Cookie. She's got a freaking million dollar Look smile. At this one. Oh, my. oh, she's a little, she's just a little. She just perfect. knows how to pose. Yeah. And she, oh, she's so cute. And she has the brightest eyes. She's just adorable. Okay. She, I'm you showing you tell, one more. Okay. You can genuinely tell. Oh my gosh. That when she's like got sunglasses on her nose. Oh, okay. You can genuinely just feel. There's a difference when you look at pictures of different people. And honestly, hers, you can just tell she has a really sweet soul. That sounds so weird, but like she just looks like she's a freaking angel. Oh, she's so cute. So in most of these pictures, she has these cute little pigtails. Like we said, she has these bright eyes. I feel like you can just feel her charisma and she just has this really happy energy that you kind of Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Sometimes like just the same as if you look at somebody who you know has murdered people. Like, yeah. you know, like, you, like, look at somebody and you find there's that out. There's bad vibes like, and there's good I vibes. I can tell. But with hers, it's just, like, pure happiness. Oh, she's so cute. So if you get a second, um, look her up. Or, uh, I mean, we will put pictures in the show notes as well. But she is just adorable. So you can see why, you know, her family's in a bit of a panic that they can't find her. Jerice actually called the police pretty quickly. They searched the apartment. They couldn't find Jesse, so she calls the police to report her missing immediately. Initially, it was thought that Jesse had just wandered out of the apartment, so they just began checking the immediate area. So remember, I said she's a five-year-old, and although I haven't had a five-year-old, I do think based on that age, you could see one of them just wandering off or thinking they should go play or find yeah. one of their friends or whatever. So that's what they thought. However, after checking the immediate area, they still had not located her. Oh. So as police begin to comb the area, they receive a tip that a young woman who was seen loading a small girl matched Jesse's description. And this woman was seen loading this girl into a dark colored Chevy Malibu. Oh, my gosh. So immediately. Worst case scenario. Right. Red flag goes up. So they wasted no time with this information. On October 12th, which was the day after Jesse went missing, authorities activated an Amber Alert. They also deployed hundreds of officers and volunteers along with bloodhounds to search the surrounding neighborhood. On October 13th, two days after Jesse's disappearance, police still don't have any firm leads. More and more time has passed without Jesse being found. Oh, and that time's critical. Exactly. And that's exactly what I had put in here. We've kind of spoken about this in past cases, but particularly cases where children are taken, generally, if they are going to be killed, that it doesn't take very long for that to happen. Yeah, it's and on so, the first like, certain amount of hours yeah, that you've got. First, I believe it's like period. 36 hours. And so the law enforcement realizes that and they are just trying to do everything they can to figure out what has happened here. However, the more they look around and as more and more time passes without Jesse being found, everyone's beginning to panic because people are no longer thinking they're just looking for a little girl who's wandered off and is la- lost they're thinking she was probably taken. So 
I just can't imagine because we went from, oh, she probably just wandered off and is nearly, you know, fairly near, close by to, oh my gosh, somebody has probably taken her. Now we have this even more... Complete 180, yeah. ...dangerous situation. So as days pass without locating Jesse, the authorities begin to look into those closest to her. And that's when they discover some interesting information. In the previous years, Jesse's mother, Jerice, had been married to a man named George Edward Shockley, who ended up being a registered sex offender. So he was Jesse's father, and he later faced charges relating to child abuse, as Mm. well as failure to register as a sex offender. So that's not great. Right. But that's not all. They find out that Jerice herself, who is Jesse's mother, was also charged with child abuse. So just six years earlier in California, Jerice was charged with five felonies, four counts of corporal injury to a child, and one count of torture for harm she had done to her children. She pled no contest to the four counts of corporal injury, and as part of her plea deal, the torture charge was dropped. And just to kind of give you an idea, the reported abuse included her children being whipped on multiple occasions, and it also included her punching her son. And the reports reflected that this abuse had likely been happening for years. And she still had custody of all of them? Right. Okay. So you may have noticed that I said Jerice was sentenced six years ago, but you remember that Jesse's only five. Mm. Interesting. Right. So Jerice actually gave birth to Jesse right around the time she was sentenced. At that time... Due to Jerice needing to serve the sentence, Jesse was sent to live with Jerice's cousins in Arizona, and they absolutely doted over this baby. Oh well, so yeah. I the, mean, she's adorable. Baby in the world, right? So these adorable photos where she just looks like this happy, cute adorable child like she could ask you for anything and you right. would give it to her i kid you not <laughs> so all of these photos that we just referenced the cute ones with the sunglasses the one with her hair and pigtails all of those that lucy described are while she was with those other family members and you can tell she is just so happy oh yeah 100 percent. so the other children were placed with jerice's mother and Jerice was sentenced to eight years for the child abuse but she actually only served four before she was released Upon being released, Jerice wanted all of her children back, including Jesse. So I really struggle with this. She showed up and requested that the cousins give Jesse to her after four years of them raising Jesse. And I just have to pause to really help everyone understand the level of gravity here. Because keep in mind, Jesse was basically immediately given to these cousins. So these are the only family she's ever known. She's ever known. And yeah. she's four at this point. And so she's supposed to go with this woman that she really has no relationship with. There's no sort of reunification therapy. It is just she is immediately handed over. And the cousins do resist. But since there was no formal court Not order granting them custody, they're forced to turn Jesse over. Uh, I already have a huge problem with this anyways. Because why is she getting her children back immediately after being released from prison for child abuse? Exactly. So my theory behind Jerice being so hasty to scoop all of her kids up is because I assume she wanted the welfare funds. And the reason I say this is because she was really struggling to provide. All of the children moved along with her to several shelters before she was able to get into an apartment. And you'll sometimes see this in abuse cases 
they want the funding that comes from having the child, but having the child actually there in their home causes them a lot of stress, which, you know, it's this vicious cycle. But a lot of times, even if they know they're not treating their children the way they should, they struggle giving those children up. So as the police begin to question Jerice about her record, she continues to stand firm that a stranger had abducted Jesse. But due to her being a person of interest, on October 16th, so this is five days after Jesse has disappeared at this point, they ended up taking the remaining three children out of Jerice's care and they were placed with CPS. So, on October 19th, eight days after Jesse had gone missing, the authorities announced an award of 11000 for any information pertaining to the disappearance of this little girl. Unfortunately, they don't have any solid leads, and they are still trying to find traction in this case. Eight days is a long time. It's a very long time. And a few of Jesse's family members felt that the authorities weren't doing enough to locate Jesse. It was around this time that they called a meeting with the mayor, the police chief, and the city manager to discuss their concerns. So, I want your thoughts thus far. Thus far, I... I'm feeling very inclined to believe that her parents are involved in it somehow, which rightly so. And I, I'm assuming the police obviously think that too, just because they've obviously placed the other kids somewhere else. So I just, I don't know. I, th- this is already a really, really hard case. So that's kind of where the police are headed. I, th- I think they were still looking into other leads, but really they don't have any other leads. They don't have I mean, anything. They've searched the area. They're, they've opened this tip line. They've offered a reward. But right now, the only lead that they really have to follow is Jerry's. And so that's what they're well, doing. Well, Jerry's plus where's the dad been this whole time? Yeah. Like, so what, has he even been involved with her at it's all? It's my understanding he's still in jail at this point. So they are just, they're trying to pursue Jerry's, even if it's just to rule her out. But Jerry's family is saying that... You know, it's a slanted investigation. They're only looking into her. They're wasting valuable time yeah, and resources. Yeah, but here's my other thing. If someone had truly just walked in the door and taken her, like, <clears throat> I'm sorry, but the odds of the other three kids not noticing that, I'm just... Yeah, and I, their theory is still that she wandered out of the house on her own, but was abducted once she was out. Okay. But the family is just fighting this hard. But I also just feel like those kids are, are also probably scared out of their minds, considering everything that's happened to them thus far from their mom. So it's all just shady. Yep. It's it's interesting because you have Jerisa's family who is just pulling so strong the other direction saying, no, somebody's taken her. And they were just feeling like the authorities were spending too much time looking into Jerisa. And meanwhile, they're feeling like, okay, well, at this point, is she still alive? Has the person that's abducted her killed her? Yeah. They're worried that by taking all this time looking into Jerisa, yeah, they, they were losing traction. They lost traction. their window. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... I should also mention at this point, remember how I mentioned earlier that there was a witness that saw a woman putting a little girl in the car and Mm -hmm. that kind of spurred the Amber Alert and everything else? Well, that was actually reported by one of Jerisa's family members. Sus. Yeah. Not to say that that's not reliable, but to me, it just, I don't know. It took it a different direction for me that it wasn't just kind of an uninvolved party. So this is where we start to see a very strong divide in this case. Also, why was a family member randomly 
around who saw that unless they all just lived right Excellent next to each question. other. Anyways, okay, can't keep going. <laughs> so there just begins to be this pull between everyone. You know, you've got the public, you've got law enforcement, you've got all of Jesse's family on both sides. There becomes a very strong divide here. Some people believed that Jerice was involved. Others thought that a stranger had abducted Jesse. So on October 21st, so we're now 10 days after Jesse has gone missing. The cousin who has who had raised Jesse, the one that had had her basically since birth, told a media source that she had contacted CPS prior to Jesse disappearing. She said that she had reported that she suspected both Jesse and her sister were both being abused. And according to one resource, Jesse was interviewed by CPS, but they didn't find any evidence of abuse at that time, so the case was closed as unfounded. So the following day after this, Jesse's grandmother took the concerns that she had voiced to the city officials, to the media. So remember how she held that meeting yeah, with like uh -huh. the mayor, city planner. She ended up taking all this and going public with it. She began pleading for more attention on Jesse's case and demanding that they stop focusing on Jerice as their suspect because she was in basically insinuating that they were wasting precious time and that they were letting this stranger get away with taking her granddaughter. Yeah, which I mean, if they truly didn't think that the mother had anything to do with it, then... I would probably feel the same way. Yeah. And again, I come back to, I don't know that they had completely closed the door on something else happening. They just, they opened this tip line and they, they're just not getting any information. You know, they tracked yeah, down the one like tip that they got, but they're just not getting enough other leads to go on. On October 24th, we're now 13 days after Jesse's disappearance. Oh, that's a long time. It is a long time. Jerice went to the state capitol to rally for more assistance. So they do this big rally, her and her family members and some other supporters. And at this event, Jerice criticized the media for focusing on her criminal background instead of focusing their efforts on Jesse. Okay, maybe like in another situation, like we've talked about so many cases where it's been a like women who are involved in like sex work or whatever, and they don't get paid attention to because of that and their criminal background. That's very different than when a child goes missing and you find out that they're that it's you know there's been a lot of child abuse. That's something completely different. So and her claims are just I mean like in any other situation like with true crime wise like sure, but when it comes to like child abuse that's something you have to look into. Right. And let's not forget there's also been a claim since she's been out. <clears throat> yeah, recently. Right. So it's not unwarranted. I just yeah. Yeah. So she criticizes the media for focusing on her criminal background instead of focusing their efforts on Jesse. So she's basically saying they're making this whole investigation about her instead of focusing on her missing daughter. She reiterated that she was not the perpetrator and that they needed to focus on finding whoever abducted Jesse. And the family members that attended this gathering were just adorned with purple bows, which I thought was really cute because that was Jesse's favorite yeah, color. Yeah, she was in purple in all those mm -hmm. pictures. So that was her favorite color. So they were trying to do that to kind of bring awareness about her being missing. So this next one, I don't have the specific day. So I'm just going to give you a date range. But within the date range of October 25th to October 29th, Jerice gave birth to another baby. What? I That's didn't right. Know she was pregnant at this point. Right. She was eight okay. months pregnant when Jesse went missing. Um. So due to the circumstances, this baby was placed in the protection of CPS at its birth as well. So she does not have any children placed with her at this point. Okay. 
So now with where we are, Jesse has been missing for over two weeks. Even though the purpose still unknown, as we've discussed previously in our show, it's typical for a stranger-style abduction to have killed an abducted child at this point. Within the first, yeah. Right. Yeah. So things aren't looking good, and everyone kind of recognizes that odds of them finding Jesse alive are slim. Based on some additional evidence, the police decided to rule this case a homicide investigation at this point. They are no longer expecting to find five-year-old Jesse alive. This is just the worst, honestly. I know. Again, I'm going to interject here. This case, I hope that it's tugging at everyone's heartstrings because that's what it did for me. And that is why this case stuck with me because it's one of those cases you don't want to talk about. You don't want to listen to it. It just, yeah. it just penetrates you and it gets into your heart. But I think that's why we need to cover cases like this because they're not talked about. They're yeah. hard to listen to, but they're... Jesse is important and her story deserves to live on. So at this point, according to an article by the Charlie Project, Jerice was no longer cooperating at all with authorities. She actually refused to take a polygraph test. Okay. That's not weird at all. And I mean, I am going to throw out polygraphs kind of have a bad rap. I mean, they do. But I do have to say, I just feel like if you're not willing to take it, like, that just makes you look a little, I don't know, guilty. So keep in mind, jury still feels like they need to be looking into an outside party as the abductor. So that's that's her, that's her reason, reasoning She's for saying, not. I'm not going to do this because you guys are focusing on the wrong person. Right. She does not agree with how the investigation is being handled. So that's her reasoning behind not wanting to cooperate. I mean, and I can't play devil's advocate here. I mean, if it was my child and somebody was coming after me saying that it was me who had done it, like, I can see why you would be really frustrated if you had nothing to do with it. But I still feel like I would be like, let me prove to you. Let me take this That's test. That's how I feel. Her her lack of cooperation drives me nuts because I'm like, if you didn't You're do really it, not cooperate. Helping your case. Yeah. yeah. Answer any questions that they have. Take the dang polygraph and let them move on Ugh. once they have cleared you as yeah. a suspect. It drives me I, crazy. So at this point, she's kind of built up a following of friends and family that were backing her stance on the investigation. So I don't think that's helping either. She has this whole following that's also doing press releases. They're they're talking to the media. They're kind of building each other up. And so it's just turning into this awful storm that's kind of brewing. On November 21st, so we are now about six weeks after Jesse has disappeared. Jerice was actually arrested for felony child abuse charges. At a press conference, authorities stated that they no longer expected to find Jesse alive, but that it was still very important to them to find her so that they could put her to rest. So the reward for information was now increased to 25000 And they make it very clear that at this point, they still don't know where Jesse is. And they also reiterate that they have requested that Jerice take a polygraph on many occasions, which she has declined. Hmm. Just to backtrack for a second. So she was found guilty of child abuse again. So she has been arrested, but she has not actually been charged. So yet. she's been arrested. Was this from the claim of her um, family member that used to take care of Jesse? Was this like following up on that? Or was this a new claim? Because yeah. this claim, because she wasn't even with her kids at this point. So. Right. So this is based on some other evidence that they have received. Oh, so for, new evidence. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. 
So one thing that I thought was really interesting about this was that they increased the reward. Because to me, if you're no longer... I think a reward is let's get these tips pouring in so we can try to get this child, you know, and try to get them while they're alive. At this point, they suspect that they are looking for a body at this point. But I, it just, to me, it said a lot that they still increased that reward. I believe it increased from 11,000 to 25,000. And they really just stressed that it was important that they still find her so they could put her to rest. And that just, I thought that was really neat that they did that. I agree. So, Jerice, along with her supporters, continues to push back on this investigation. And they say that Jerice is being treated unfairly and that they are not thoroughly investigating the disappearance. So, this whole dynamic is still happening throughout this investigation. On November 22nd, Jerice made her court appearance for the arrest. And it was during this event that several pieces of the puzzle began to come together and shed some light on what really happened. First off, in one of the interviews that law enforcement pushed Jerice on, they discuss her claim of cashing a check. So you remember that's where she went yeah, that night. Yeah, she went night. to the bank that night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she said she went somewhere to cash a check. But as they try to follow up on this, it was reported that she did not have an account with the place she claimed to have gone to cash a check. Of course and she, she didn't. she could not provide any sort of receipt or proof that she had actually gone there. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. Bye-bye alibi. That's how I feel. Did they figure this out? Didn't did they look into this way at the beginning cuz I feel like I would have gone to the bank and asked to see that check like from day 1. Yeah, so this so they had gotten that information and as they're interviewing her, that was something that had come to light. Gotcha. As they were okay. interviewing her previously about Jesse m- being missing. So the last day that Jesse had actually attended kindergarten was September 22nd. And just to kind of keep our timeline in check here. Big blinks That was three weeks before her disappearance. Yeah. So Jerisa's reasoning. Are you going to tell me that she'd been gone for a lot longer? Okay, just keep going. So Jerisa's reasoning for keeping her home was due to illness. She said that Jesse had ringworm and then she ended up with pink eye. Oh no, that's a big ring the bell. Neither of these illnesses were ever documented and she could not show that she had ever taken Jesse to the doctor for either of these illnesses. And while I'm not sure you would have to go to a doctor for either of these illnesses, and let's keep in mind, Jesse is her fourth child, so maybe she just feels like she, she knows knew, her way around yeah. the block. I still think it's odd. I feel like, I don't know, I still feel like there well, yeah, would be some sort of pink eye, documentation. If she did have pink eye, she need, you definitely need medicine to treat that stuff. That's what you would think. So they can't find anything mm. supporting her claims of illness. Next, the statements originally taken by Jesse's siblings began to change as they no longer had contact with their mom. Oh, I knew this was going to happen. Okay. So initially, you kind of talked about, well, what happened with the kids? Did they just say they didn't see her? So initially, their stories had matched their mothers very closely. They were supposed to be watching their sister while their mom had run an errand. They had just kind of lost track of her. They have no idea where she went. But they had since then been separated and placed with foster families. And so keep in mind, there were separate families at this point. As they spend more and more time with their foster families, they begin to open up. Well, yeah. How could you keep that in? Mm-hmm. So oh, even though... I feel so bad for them. That's so... Okay. Keep going. I know. This is hard. So even though they open up about their instances separately, their stories end up matching pretty closely. So it's very clear that as 
they're releasing this information they bit by bit. They were like corroborating bit. to right. like get their mom in trouble. They right. were all telling the truth. So what they ended up later telling author- the authorities was that Jerice had requested that they lie to law enforcement about the events surrounding the night that Jesse disappeared. And they did later begin to report that Jesse had indeed been abused. So again, I just want to throw out a disclaimer here. This is very difficult content to discuss. So I just want to warn you as we head into this next segment. The reason I'm covering these next few details is because I really want you to understand the level of torture that this poor five-year-old was living through in her day-to-day life. So Jesse's siblings reported seeing her on multiple occasions with bruising and with black eyes. Some of the most revealing information came from Jesse's older sister, who was 13 at the time. She stated that she would often see Jesse being kept in Jerice's closet in her bedroom without food or water. Her sister said on some occasions she would try to sneak in there if Jerice left the apartment and she would try to give Jesse food or water. Jesse's sister reported that the last time she had seen Jesse was in September and that when she had last seen her, Jesse was unresponsive and looked like, quote unquote, a zombie. Jesse's siblings also said the apartment started to stink prior to Jesse's disappearance and that they remembered their mother taking an entire day to clean the apartment and that she had burned incense to help with the smell. A forensic team later found bloodstains on the carpet of the closet that would support these claims. And I want to really put into terms when I say that these forensic people had found bloodstains. One of the bloodstains that they found in that closet was the size of a piece of paper, which is not small by any means, especially when you consider how small a five-year-old girl is. Yeah, she's tiny. So that's a lot to take in. And wouldn't you know it, they were able to find proof that Jerice had purchased bleach just two days before reporting Jesse missing. Of course she had. And this... I don't know. This is so hard for me because I feel like we run into this often where we see people buying this stuff at the checkout and I don't know. It's just, it's a hard thing because obviously we can't have screening every time somebody buys bleach, but it just, there are times people are going through the checkout and you're looking at the surveillance footage later and you're like, how did, how did nobody flag that? How did nobody see that? So this was the new evidence that she was arrested for. So based on this evidence, her bail was set at $100,000. But just six days later, Jerice was released. What the hell? How? How is she released? So law enforcement didn't... Because how do they not... I'm sorry, but they have plenty and plenty of evidence. What? You're 100% accurate. So this will make sense once I explain. I I was worked up too, trust me. Law enforcement did not end up charging Jerice with child abuse because they did not want to cause an issue of double jeopardy in the event they were able to bring charges relating to the homicide at a later point. So their thought was, if we can find Jesse's body, we can charge with homicide. They basically wanted to catch the whale, not the trout, so to say, if that makes sense. Okay. So maybe explain double jeopardy just for everybody, just in case they're not so sure what double that is. jeopardy you can't be charged for the same thing so yeah. if she had gone and been charged for the child abuse and let's say by some miracle been found not guilty they couldn't charge her later re- surrounding the same yeah charges Does yeah, that makes sense yeah you can't charge okay. twice for that so they wanted to wait mm-hmm. until they felt they could like find a body exactly they felt like rather than her being charged another four years and possibly getting released from jail again they wanted to just 
nail her for everything. Jerise's friends and family assisted her in retaining an attorney at this point, and within days of her being released, this attorney was addressing matters on her behalf. So he began doing press releases and all sorts of media attention, and he also claimed that Jerise being held was unfair and that it was an unfair amount of time and that no charges had been filed. And he also said that she had been portrayed unfairly in the media. And they began to, again, just really push this claim that they were seeking the wrong perpetrator. Somebody was still out there. Jesse was still out there with whoever had abducted her. We need to find this other person. So they're still pushing that stance. A month later, authorities felt they had a firm grasp on where Jesse's body was located based on some recent information. I have to like gather myself. Sorry. One of Jerise's neighbors had come forward with a terrifying story. The neighbor said several days before Jesse was reported missing, Jerise told her that she'd made arrangements to sell someone in Tempe some clothing she was getting rid of. Jerise asked this neighbor for a ride to meet this person to exchange the clothing in Tempe, Arizona. She said that she needed money to feed her children and she seemed fairly desperate, so the neighbor agreed to give her a ride. I wasn't familiar with Arizona, so I actually looked up the distance between where her apartment complex was approximately and this area that she was going to exchange the clothing for the money and it was approximately 19 miles so it was likely about a 30 minute car ride when the neighbor went to pick up jerice she had the clothing loaded ready to sell in a suitcase so remember at this point jerice is eight months pregnant so the neighbor sees her come out with this suitcase but when she tries to get out of the car to assist Jerice in loading the suitcase into the trunk, Jerice insisted she could do it on her own and declined to have any help loading the suitcase. Oh my gosh. Okay. Jerice also apologized when she got in the car and she told the neighbor that if she noticed an odd smell, it was probably because some of the clothing in the suitcase included old shoes. So she apologized for that. Upon arriving at this apartment complex that Jerice claimed she was meeting this, quote, buyer, there was no one to be found. Jerice proceeded to tell the neighbor that if the buyer didn't show up, they had told her to just drop the suitcase in the dumpster at the apartment oh, complex. No. The neighbor told Jerice they could wait for the buyer to show up, but she didn't want to. Instead, the neighbor watched from inside the car as Jerice again, declining help, walked to the trunk, put on rubber gloves, and removed the suitcase from the trunk, dropping it in the dumpster nearby. She put on gloves before she did that? Yes. When did this neighbor come forward with this information? So she came forward after they announced that they were now looking for a body. And the reason for that, they gave a couple reasons. One of the reasons was, in her mind, she just hadn't even made the connection because she had just heard that, you she know, was Jesse wasn't being abducted, and... you know, by this stranger. And so in her mind, they were they were looking for this little girl. It wasn't until they really reported that it was likely that they were looking for a body and some of this background about jury started to come out that she started putting two and two together. Um, they also did say that her first language was not English and so it likely took a little bit longer for her to realize what was going on just with everything in the oh, media the neighbors first thing okay mm -hmm. so after she dropped the suitcase in the dumpster they drove back home the neighbor also reported that Jerice was much calmer on the ride back home 
So they received this statement approximately a month after Jesse was reported missing. So law enforcement took a cadaver dog to inspect the areas within the statement, just in case this had been just maybe a report that was inaccurate based on the amount of money that they were putting up as an offer. Yeah, that's fair. But this dog hit on areas in the trunk as well as an area in that dumpster. They also took two samples from the car trunk, which were later confirmed as blood. This information is what led investigators to lead a search at Butterfield Station Landfill, where they believe Jesse's body was now located. So I'm going to play a short clip that is a press release from that. Well, today police reached an area they're calling the high probability zone. It's an area where they found some sort of paperwork, maybe a newspaper, that matches the exact day Jesse went missing nearly four months ago. Now, officers are sifting through 6,000 tons of trash at the landfill. They think Jesse's body is in there somewhere. But our sources tell us that they may not be looking for a body exactly, but rather a specific kind of container the body might be in. We don't know what that is. It could be anything from a trash bag to a suitcase officially police will only say they are looking for jesse's body we've also learned that they are using the newest latest technology in their search what that is is also being kept a secret for now but it is more than simply digging and raking with your hands over the next several months yes i said months a team searched for jesse the search lasted from february 6th to june 27th for 96 days, the authorities led a search that ended up costing the agencies over $400,000. The area they searched was approximately 20 feet deep and the length of two football fields. I can't express how invested the law enforcement seemed to be in finding Jesse, so I want you to also listen to this clip from a press conference held on June 27th. The uh, investigators, detectives, officers that were out there how difficult is, for, is it for them to bring the closure to the, the search for Jesse? Uh, we have a few people in this room that uh, were out there for several, several, several months, um, more than I was, but it is very difficult. They didn't want to leave. We did everything humanly possible to try to find her. And um, they're in this room, the ones that have been out there several days, several others could not be here. Um, but it is difficult. Uh, it was difficult on all of us, everybody that was out there, everybody that took part in it. But I think we did everything that we could possibly do to make sure that we humanly did everything possible. So that is probably the sixth time I have listened to the audio. And every time I listen to it, it just gets to me because you can tell that this law enforcement agency wanted to find Jesse so badly. And when he talks about people not wanting to leave. People just wanted to keep searching. They did not want to give up looking for her. You can tell they wanted to bring her home. And it is just so devastating that they were not able to find her. 
and that they just had to leave knowing that she was probably in a landfill somewhere, dumped away like trash, and they were not able to locate her. So Jessie's body was never found. On September 6, 2012, nearly one year after Jessie's last known interaction that she had had with her sister, Jerice was arrested and charged with murder and child abuse. In March of 2013, her extended family filed a $10 million lawsuit against the state of Arizona, the Glendale Police Department, and CPS for Jesse's wrongful death. They allege the state and CPS were grossly negligent when they returned Jesse to her, her mother's custody. I was sort of worried during this trial because Jerice's previous child abuse charges were not able to be used as evidence in this trial. However, after two and a half days of deliberation, the jury found her guilty of first-degree murder and child abuse. She was reported fairly unemotional as they read their verdict to her. She was sentenced to life in prison without parole nearly four years after Jesse's disappearance. But she still maintains her innocence. She even still has some family members that stick behind her and believe in her innocence, and they are still claiming that a stranger took Jesse. To this day, Jesse has never been found. <sighs> That's it's a heavy. hard one to even try to comment on because um, the fact that they could never find her body is probably one of the hardest parts, especially for her family, especially for that family that raised her who knew that she was going back into a bad situation. Like, I can't even imagine how helpless you would feel knowing that you couldn't do anything to help her. And and then worst case scenario. And it's just, uh, and that that recording of that, those, that police officer, like, they were so invested. I know. And everyone was so invested because they should be, they should have been. That little girl deserved the world. And she couldn't even be found that's just uh, yeah I agree I've had this case has been it's been such a hard case to research and like I said the first time I heard about this case was years ago and I didn't even have to look up her name I remembered her name I remembered how it was spelled I this case has stuck with me and I know I appreciate anyone that has stuck with us through this episode because I know that this has not it's not been easy to listen to, and I know that this is just such a heartbreaking situation, and this case just absolutely sickens me. I know that it's hard to listen to, but I just want to say that just because we're not talking about these cases doesn't mean they're not happening, and like I said, I've chosen to cover this on our podcast knowing that other true crime podcasts aren't covering a lot of cases that involving children because I think that there needs to be more people talking about these situations. After hearing about this case, I started doing some digging on my own. And according to the National Children's Alliance, about 700,000 children are abused each year in the U.S. 78% of children were abused by their own parent. And sometimes that abuse turns deadly. In 2018, about 1,770 children died from abuse and neglect in the United States. See, and that right there, <laughs> I just, um, that's a number I don't think most people would even know about. Yeah, I, I certainly wasn't aware of it myself. It's not, I wasn't either. I didn't know that it was 
that prevalent that huge yeah that's a that's an insane number so the reason i really the reason i wanted to tell jesse's story was because i want you guys to be aware of these numbers these numbers have got to change there's not a single issue surrounding this issue of child abuse and child abuse that leads to death there are so many little factors that kind of flow into it but we do have some control over some of these issues we really do the field of social work is underfunded and it's overworked many caseworkers are underpaid and they're drowning in caseloads we're not giving them the ability to focus on cases with the attention that each one deserves secondly something i feel like we have even more control over I know, and I'm guilty of it too, but I know it's so easy to look at these awful situations and think, why on earth didn't they remove those kids? Why did they get put back with their mom? Oh, yeah. Why Why didn't they pull those kids out sooner? Why didn't they pull those kids the first time they got a report to CPS? But one of the biggest problems with this situation is that there is a shortage of good homes for children that are removed from abusive situations. So even if you pull a child out of a, an abusive situation, where are they supposed to go? And how do you ensure that they're not going to another abusive home? Right. And a lot of these kids are going to shelters. A lot of times, if they're older, they struggle getting placed with foster homes. And a lot of these kids age out of the foster system. And so one of the biggest things I want to push today is if you have ever considered fostering, if you feel like you have a loving, good home that you can offer to a child that is in a bad situation, I would encourage you to seriously consider that. I know that fostering can be one of the most difficult things, but we have such a need for good homes for these children. And I just want to, again go over those numbers. 78% of children were abused by a parent. And in 2018, 1,770 children died from abuse and neglect in the United States. So if you see an opportunity where you can help out with this anywhere you can, whether it's changes in funding in an election, whether it's you looking into fostering, whether it's volunteering, if you see an opportunity that you feel you can help out, if you've been considering, you know, an occupation surrounding social work, I would encourage you to do anything you can to help these stats because Jessie certainly didn't deserve what happened to her. And most of these children are just trapped in a situation that they have no control over and can't get out of. Yeah, and I just feel like, once again, it's just something that it's almost like it's such a hard topic that people, I don't know, I feel like it's one of those things where we all feel like if we don't talk about it, then it's not there. And mm -hmm. if it's not happening in my family, then it's not happening. But um, one, have you, you, I think we've talked about this before too, something that can shed a lot more light on this um situation also is on Netflix there's a documentary called the trials of Gabriel Hernandez and that I made Lucy watch it and we both cried together yeah, don't get me we, started on that or I will just start bawling right here and right now we did yeah it was <laughs> but if you it's truly not, if you want to hear of a similar case and really put pictures to 
names, put a if face you to want, your name, and yeah, just if a you truly situation. want to visualize this sort of situation and the problems surrounding what we have, even the issues in the system itself, right? Go and, go and watch that was documentary. even more infuriating, and it's just. These children are children. They're children. They don't have. They deserve a, a childhood. That and they don't always have a voice to mm-hmm. to, to speak out about what's happening and, to them. And I think this is this is not one of those things like, oh, they don't have the nicest toys. They don't have the nicest clothes. This child didn't have food or water. Yeah. She deserves food and water. You know, she deserves a loving environment. To be treated like a human. Yes. And I think that's what I to struggle loved, with. This is not to, just ugh. not having as you know this is truly an environment nobody should have to live with and it's a huge problem throughout our entire country and so I know that this was difficult to listen to I think Lucy hit it right on the head I think the reason we're not covering these cases is because they're difficult to listen to and so I appreciate all of you that made it through the end of this case with us as we were able to shed some light on a very difficult situation. And again, I just plead with all of you, if you see an opportunity to help us change, you know, even just awareness, I think awareness is huge. Being more familiar with those stats, I think let's just spread awareness and do what we can to change a very, very broken system. Yeah. And like Erin said, I know that it's just not something that a lot of people want to cover, but um, I think you did a really good job with this case. So it's obviously really sensitive and that's for a reason. It tugs at your heartstrings for a reason. Um, but like I said before, these kids don't have a voice. And so, I mean, we all do. And so I that does put a responsibility on all of us to be aware of it and to talk about it. I mean, there are just so many issues that people just don't want to talk about. And um, it comes back to like us just not wanting to be uncomfortable and to not want to deal with that because it is the worst of the worst. I mean, that's about as evil as it gets. So I'm really glad that you decided to cover that case because those are statistics like I didn't even know. So I wasn't aware of them either until I started digging into this because Jesse's case just really spurred that interest in me to see what I could do. And I think... I think a great way to honor Jesse, to honor Gabriel, to honor some of these children that have met the worst fate would be to help to make a change in our world towards a life that these children deserve. So with that, due to the seriousness of this case and just wanting to really respect all of the sensitive material around it, we're going to forego Carbs Corner today. And I just, again, we're going to have some links in the show notes. I'll have both of those clips that we played today. I'll have pictures of Jesse. And I will also link to the National Children's Alliance. And I will also link to the Utah Foster page for information there. But really, I just... I plead, get involved in your community and see what you can do to spread awareness and to help fix this broken system.